That's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. Friends, it's been said that the purpose of life is a life of purpose. Think about it. And I can tell you, if you are going to lean into the purpose that God has for you, the plans of purpose that God has for you, you better learn from the mistakes of others all you can because you don't have time in your life to make all the mistakes out there, right? And that's why we're in a series right now we're calling Home Run Life. And we're examining, we're taking a look at some of the people that stepped up to the plate throughout history in God's word, and they were faithful. They walked a life of obedience. And they may have had a a mistake. They may have faced great adversity, but they remained faithful to the Lord. And today we're going to look at this guy known as Joshua, one of my personal spiritual heroes. You know, it was General Douglas MacArthur that said that Joshua is the greatest general that ever lived. And the thing I like about Joshua is he accomplished a great deal, even with all of the hostility that was before him, even with all the incredible odds that were before him, even at all the difficulties and challenges. And his life was one entire battle. It was one battle after another. And I believe probably many of you could identify with that. I mean, it seems like in life, if it's not one thing, it's another. And so this guy, Joshua here, is really somebody that we ought to really take a look at and and focus some on his life, on his walk of faith. Now, the background of Joshua is... Uh, They are on the verge here of crossing, the Bible says, into the promised land. They spent some 40 years out in, in the wilderness, and now they come up ready to cross the Jordan River knowing they are going to possess the land. And it says in verse 11 here in chapter 1, it says, Three days from now you will cross the Jordan to go in and take possession of the land the Lord is giving you. And God here in this text said, Joshua, you've got a tremendous future ahead. And here there's a dynamic about this. Everything I have promised and even more is about to be gifted to you. And it says you must take possession of what I want to give you. Now, what will your future hold is the question that kind of comes to mind here as you examine this text. And God says to you, I have great things that I want to give to you. And I have things that you don't even maybe even haven't thought about, and I really want to bless your life. And all your past is a prologue. All the things you've been going through has been getting you ready and preparing you. All your best days are ahead, but it's going to have some challenge up ahead, and you must possess your future. Well, how do you think that you can possess your future? By doing, I want to suggest to you the three things you find here in this text that God is giving to Joshua. If you want to possess your future, you need to take heed here of what we find in this text. God here is giving Joshua a pep talk, and he says, I know you're going to be in battles for the next 20 years, and so I want to encourage you to do these three things. If you just do these three things, then you are going to be successful and you are going to prosper. In fact, two times in this chapter, you find the word success. And God says, if you do these things, it will make a great impact upon your life and it will help you to succeed in all that follows. It will help you to possess your future. I'm sure all of you want to possess your future. And the first thing that we are finding here in this text is God says, set up a plan. You know, each of us, we need to set up a plan. 
A few years ago, there was a study made of about 200 people that were characterized as being very successful people. And it was discovered that of the 200, the one common denominator that seemed to be woven throughout, even though they all had diverse backgrounds, they all had different kinds of abilities and talents, the one thing that they could find that really brought everyone together was the fact that they all had well-established goals. They were people who dreamed big and then they put down to paper their goals. God says you've got a plan for the future. You know, the poorest of all people is not a person without a scent, but I wanna say it's the person without a dream. It's a person without hope. And God's plans, he has a plan for your life and you need to know what that plan is and you need to lean into it. And if you're going to be like Jesus, you've gotta learn how to plan, you've gotta learn how to get ready, you gotta set these goals for your life. And you need to plan for your future because that's where you're going to spend the rest of your life in the future. And I guarantee you, if you don't set goals for your life, somebody else will set goals for you. Life will just happen and things will just take place. And all of a sudden you'll be going back and forth and back and forth. And things will just, time will move on. And so it's important, if you want to possess your future, you need to establish these goals. And Joshua 1 says here in verses 2 and 3, Moses, my servant, is dead. And now then, you and all of these people get ready to cross the Jordan River, and I will give you every place where you set your foot, just as I promised Moses. Now, notice the words here in this text, get ready, get ready. God says, get ready for the future. God says, prepare for the future. You got to prepare to possess what God has promised. And notice what Joshua's response is in verse 11. He says, so Joshua ordered the people, get the supplies ready, get all the things ready. The future belongs, I wanna to suggest to you, to the person who prepares for it. You gotta have a plan. There was another survey that was conducted and they found out that 27% have given no thought at all to their future. Maybe you're in that category today, you know, just kind of hanging out through life. They say like 27% of the people are just like not even thinking about the future. They're just living for the day. They said 60% have given some thought to the future, but it's mostly in the area of their finances. Well, I'm getting older. I'm getting a couple more wrinkles. Maybe I had, ought to think about that 401k they're offering. And a lot of people think about their future. But 10% have a fairly good idea of where they're headed, but only 3% have goals written down. And it's interesting because in this survey, it also revealed that 20% or 27% of our population are relying upon welfare and that kind of assistance. 60% are barely making ends meet. Another 10% are well off and 3% of the population is highly successful. It's kind of the exact same ratio. And it's interesting that when they compared those that were well off with those that were highly successful, the 10% versus the 3%, the only discernible difference in the survey here, uh, even though there was no difference in education or ability or talent, but it was the highly successful people had written plans. They actually had goals that were put forth. They actually had things that they felt that they needed to do. And they were out achieving the others 10 to one. And the point is that successful people plan for the future and you find Joshua here doing that. Get things ready and notice it says, Moses, my servant is dead. You know, one of the ways you prepare for your future is to let go of the past. I mean, think about that. Joshua and Moses were very, very close. 
And here is this guy that's been the second lieutenant, this Joshua, and now Moses is not there. And I'm sure Joshua felt a little nervous without him. And yet God said, I have a plan for you, Joshua. Let go of the past and focus here on the future and write your goals down and don't go adrift, but follow my ways. So if you want to possess your future, you need to establish the plan. You need to grab a hold of the purpose that God has for your life. You need to discover what that will is of God for your life and lean into it with all you got. A second then thing that is discovered here in this text as God is talking to Joshua here is this, and that is you need to stay in the word, not only to set a plan, but then you stay in the word. God says to Joshua, you're gonna be in the battle for uh, next 25 years, that's a long time. And you're gonna be fighting and the battle uh, is, is gonna come your way. And he says here that you need to stay in my word. You need your instruction manual. It's the manual for the battles of life. And in Joshua 1 and verse 7, it says, Be careful to obey all the laws and do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Notice it says, don't turn to the right or to the left. How easy is it to get sidetracked? You ever been on the internet? This happens to me every time I get on the internet. They call it surfing, right? You surf the internet and you're going in there to look up something and then something else pops in your way and it takes you to a different rabbit trail and you go, well, let's see what this is about. Or something else pops up and all of a sudden an hour is gone and you just got on there to look up one thing. It's very easy in this world to get sidetracked. And notice here, don't go to the right or the left. You can go off the right side of the road just as well as you can go off the left side of the road. And have you noticed how easy it is to get your mind so swayed on trivial matters, to really start focusing on things that at the end of the day don't mount to a hill of beans? You know what I'm talking about? Uh, people come into the church, they get excited about the church, and, and they want to get involved, and they give their lives to Christ, and they start out well, but then all of a sudden they get sidetracked. And it may even be sidetracked on really legitimate things, but all of a sudden they are off the road and out of the park somewhere, and they forget God's word. And here we find this challenge by the Lord to stay upon the words of God. Many have forgotten spiritually uh, to stay upon God's word, and they have washed out because they didn't stay in the word. And notice here in Joshua 1 and verse 8, one of the greatest promises in the Bible is this one right here, and everybody ought to memorize it. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth, but meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. And then it says you will prosper and you will be successful. Notice here in verses 7 and 8, it says success, and it's promised twice. God says don't turn to the right, don't turn to the left, but get on the straight and narrow and follow in my ways and stay with the word and you'll be successful. And here he, he, he says, keep your mind saturated with the word and you will be prosperous. And the point is God's promise of success has nothing to do with your ability. God's promise of success has nothing to do with your kind of talent that you have, but God's promise of being prosperous here in your life has everything to do with your commitment to staying in God's word. It's not your capability, but it's your commitment to the word of God where God promises that you will find success. You need to set up a plan and you need to stay in the word of God. And God says, this is what I want you to do. 
And this will teach you what is true and what isn't, and it will help you to realize what's wrong in your life, and it will help you to get straightened out, to set your moral compass upon me, to follow in the ways of the Lord. You know, it was the French preachers there back in the 19th century, it was Charles Spurgeon that many accredited uh, this to, and he says, a Bible which is coming apart is usually owned by somebody who's not. Do you know people like that? Usually your Bible is coming apart, or you are, and it's really your choice. Now, Joshua here, you'd have to acknowledge, he's a pretty busy guy. He didn't have the internet back then, but he was leading a whole nation. I'm sure he was facing all kinds of questions having all kinds of problems to tend with, but he made time to read the Bible. He made time to pray. He was a man of communion with God. His business here did not sway him to the right or to the left, but he remained in God's word. You find here then this challenge to all of us to, if you want to possess the future, that you need to set plans, you need to be serious about your spiritual life, and you find here you need to stay in God's word. But there's another thing here that we find is a great uh, challenge to us, and that is to step out in faith. Yeah, I really like that whole idea, that concept of stepping out. It's action-oriented. You're taking action steps. A lot of people think faith is just something you believe, but faith is more than just knowing about something. I can believe a plane will fly, but it doesn't make any difference until you actually get on the plane and said, yeah, I'm, I'm believing it and living it. And until you take that step of faith and get on board, it really means nothing. People say that I believe in Jesus Christ, but so what? Even the Bible acknowledges the demons believe that. And so you have to have that step of faith. It's that action-oriented. Notice here in, in the scripture, it says here, this phrase, be strong and courageous. You find it here three or four different times, be strong and courageous. God three times says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. And that is, there's going to be times, there's going to be moments in this world that are going to be full of anxiety. There's going to be moments of discouragement. There's going to be moments where you just feel like throwing in the towel. But he says, be strong and courageous. Step out in faith. And again, the background of the story is the children of Israel have been wandering in the desert for something like 40 years, and they've had this chance once before, 40 years or so earlier, and they blew it, and now they're getting a second chance. And they're standing at the edge of the Jordan River. They're ready to cross over to the new land, knowing the moment they cross over the river, it's going to be an act of aggression because there's already these seven enemy nations, so, uh, so to speak, that are residing there. These seven other nations living well, and their crossing is going to be this throwing down the gauntlet. And the moment they got to the other side of the river, there would be war, potentially, this, this conflict this, uh, this, uh, this kind of battle that could ensue. And on the other side of the river, these seven enemy nations, and every one of them larger and stronger than the Israelites. I mean, think about it. These people have been in bondage for some 400 years, and they didn't have Navy SEALs. They didn't have hardcore fighters. They, they were farmers. They were families. These were children. These were wives, and there was no really big army, and they're going to cross the river and enter into who knows how long a period of confrontation and battle is going to be there. And now you know why God is saying in the middle of all that, be strong and courageous because he says there are things out there that are going to threaten to tell you down. There's things out there that are going to eat away at you. 
And what gave Joshua the confidence to move ahead is really found in verse 9. For it says, remember, I have commanded you to be determined and confident and don't be afraid or discouraged for I am with you wherever you go. God said, I'm going to be with you wherever you go. And you are on assignment from Almighty God. And God said, I'm going to be with you. You know, that's a nice thing about being in God's word, because when God tells you to do something, he gives you the power to do it. And notice it says, afraid and discouraged. Friends, these are the two enemies that really face every Christian person, every Christian organization, and the church of Jesus Christ. It's fear here and discouragement. Those are two enemies that will prevent you from possessing your future. When you're discontented, it's always winter in your hearts, whatever the reason, and whatever time of year it might be. Discouragement and fear are really the two chief occupational hazards of every Christian person. I'll never forget this one church. They were all really excited about what God was doing. They just built this brand new structure. People were all juiced and energized and just so excited. And they put this sign out front and it said, win the world for Christ. They were gonna just like totally take on the whole world and change everything for Christ. Well, five years passed and they put a new sign out front and it said, win one or two for Christ. And then a few years after that passed and it says, try not to lose anyone for Christ. These two things of fear and discouragement will keep you from becoming all God wants you to be. Because fear keeps you from getting started, but it's discouragement that keeps you from continuing on. It keeps you from maintaining and being faithful and following the word of God. And they keep you ultimately from being all that God wants you to be. The Bible says, don't be afraid, don't be discouraged. Be strong and courageous. So I'm going to challenge you today to lean into these three things. Here that we find going on in the life of Joshua. You know, let's be real about this. We all need to set spiritual plans for our lives. Even if you're 90, even if you're 100, you need to be looking ahead of what you need to be doing in your life, how you can be growing into the likeness of Christ. Is it patience I need to work on this year? Is it forgiveness? You know, we did a survey back in July and we found out that one of the top issues that people here at Faith are wanting to know and lean into is forgiveness. Maybe it's forgiveness with yourself. Maybe it's forgiveness with your parents. Maybe it's a forgiveness of somebody in your family or in your life. Or maybe it's forgiveness with God. Maybe you haven't received God's forgiveness. You're, you, you're struggling. And, you know, we all need to lean into whatever those things are in our life. We need to set these goals down. And we say we want to grow like Christ. And here's how I want to do it in this year. A second thing I challenge you to is to stay in God's word and get real about this thing. Even, uh, you know, if it's seven minutes a day, just start reading and staying in God's word. It will pick you up. It will encourage your life. It will help you to keep from swaying to the right or to the left, and it will keep you on the straight and narrow. And then notice here, as he says, we need to step out in faith. A lot of people need to step out in faith. Join a small group. Be part of stepping forward. Be part of the food pantry. Be part of our coming discipleship program on September 18th. We're calling it Rise on Sunday nights. 
Join uh, an opportunity to grow in your faith, to get to know other people, to hang out and drink coffee and eat pizza and have a, a time of just really growing and learning together. Because the Lord says we need to be strong and courageous. We need to possess our future and claim it, what God wants for our life to follow his plan and purpose for our life. I challenge you to do that to set goals for your life, to remain in God's word, and to step out in faith. Will you join me in prayer? Holy God, we come before you today in the midst of so much swirling about in our lives, in our families, in our world. And we know there are so many good things that could sway us in different directions, but how we want to possess the future and how we want to establish our home, our hearts, our lives upon you. So help all of us, God, to be focused on the future that you have for us, to be growing into your likeness, to be remaining in your word, and to be stepping out in faith to serve you. My prayer, God, is that your spirit would come upon the hearts and lives of your people, that you would embolden us, give us courage, give us strength, that we might face the battles, the fears, the discouragement every day, and to be found faithful. And we pray this in Jesus' name, our Lord. Amen.